0: Relevant content for our members, by our members. This is TMC
1: Connect.
2: Happy Friday, everyone. Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the rundown with Rob and Rich, where we take into the weekend by running through the week that was in the mortgage industry. And we just started broadcasting live, and we'll go ahead and get started momentarily. Rob, you promised the viewers three weeks of no chrisman we could get some complaints. Uh, you, you, are coming in from the secret location. You're muted. Uh-oh. Where is Rob now? Oh boy. You Airport. podcast, the podcast listeners that I missed the live version of this Fridays at 3 PM. Uh, you really are missing out. Rob is, was supposed to be off this week and he's looks like in a customs office. Where are you at, Rob? <laughs> I'm. I've been apprehended in uh, uh, trying to
1: trying to sneak uh, Captain Crunch through in my prescription pill bottles.
2: Captain Crunch. Hey, is there a Captain Crunch shortage now? I is that the next thing after baby <laughs> formula? I missed that one.
1: There, there
2: is <laughs> where I am. Okay. Okay. All right.
1: I'll just well, happy. <laughs>
2: we'll get more into wherever the hell Rob is, but the, let's go ahead and get started with the show. Uh, As always, thanks for for joining us, Strive for Interactivity. So any questions, comments, thoughts, please feel free to pump them in the chat or the Q&A. And it hasn't been the rosiest summer for the mortgage industry, Uh, joking on email, shortest books ever written, Uh, mortgage industry 2022 summer highlights, shortest book ever written potentially. So we decided to bring on a couple rays of light. Uh, a couple of really smart leaders in our industry that always are spewing positivity. They both happen to be Buckeye fans as well on the eve of uh, the Buckeyes and uh, Notre Dame uh, going to war tomorrow night at 730 Eastern. So uh, I'll start by introducing them. Uh, and both are familiar friends to the show, the CEO of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall. Jody, nice you. Hi,
3: everyone. Uh, great to see you.
2: Jody in full Buckeye regalia for our, our podcast listeners, and the Buckeye grad in no Buckeye gear, uh, the SVP of operations in transplanted uh, Arizona, Katie Klaus. Katie, great to see you.
4: I don't know if I've ever been introduced as a ray of sunshine. My employees are going to love that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, cut that clip out. and uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to be like, I don't think that you're talking about my boss over there. <laughs>
2: And as always, my esteemed colleague and co-host making the surprise uh, uh, show up, Rob Crisman. Rob, great to see you. We'll get into where you are in a moment. And Rob's son, Robbie, uh, that uh, is not in his new home, much more hair than Rob and I, and uh, joining us again this week. Robbie, great to see you.
0: I know this show doesn't really do fact checking, but I believe the University or the Ohio State University and my alma mater, the University of Texas, are the only two schools in America that has a capital T in the. No other universities have that.
3: Um, Ohio State trademarked it; you can't use it anymore.
0: <laughs> well, we got we got Arch Manning, so uh, you.
3: Sorry. <laughs> No one else. You can never use the in a in a statement or a sentence because Ohio State University now owns it.
2: <laughs> <clears throat> Good stuff. So <laughs> let's go ahead and get into it, Rob and Robbie. Uh, what is going on in this? There's an alternate golf tour backed by Saudi money. The Cavs have four all stars in their starting lineup, and none of them are le- named LeBron James. And the Fed is openly cheering for bad. Jobs reports. What what the hell is going on in America?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna let Robbie answer all that.
0: I think I think we're at the point where you know we're back to the old bad news is good news on the jobs report. Uh we've seen a, a rally here today with the interpretation being that the Fed's tightening is gaining traction. So uh you know, we'll take any silver linings we can this summer when it comes to mortgage banking.
2: Any silver linings. And that's exactly it. I mean, this jobs report was great for those of us that watch markets, those of us in our industry that watch what's going on. Everybody should be happy about this morning's jobs report. And the the jobs report was a little underwhelming. The new jobs created in August, 315,000. I think the projection was about 320. So just missed. But they revised downward the last few months by about 107,000. The unemployment rate ticked up. From 3.5 to 3.7% hourly earning growth was in line. So, all in all, it was a report that showed job growth um, that was still healthy, but not the super hot job growth that has stoked inflation fears. So, what this report does, Rob, is it supports the Fed's current mission of this soft landing, which would be the best thing for our industry. By far, no? Yeah, it's,
1: it's, uh, and by the way, can you hear me okay, Rich? Yep. Okay, good. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of folks on the call here realize that if we do get into some kind of recession, sure, rates are going to be low, but at, at what cost to the economy? So, yeah, soft landing, a little bit of a slowdown in inflation, or a lot of slowdown in inflation. Uh, is got to be wealthy, a, a welcome sign. So I keep I keep seeing these sensationalist headlines uh, from the United States, uh, which is not where I am right now. Uh, in terms of the you know the housing, you know the housing plummeting, the housing cratering, and so forth. And uh, when I talk to actual you know realtors and loan officers in the know, it seems much more like a quote, normal market than we've had for a while uh things have slowed down a little bit in terms of appreciation i don't think anybody minds that uh nobody wants to see 20 percent a year so yeah i uh but to tell you the truth rich i was on an airplane when that news came out so i mean you know a lot more about it than i do i don't even know what the bond market is doing this morning uh i would assume that maybe rates have come down a little bit have they robbie you know what are rates doing
0: yeah rich is nodding yes yep What's that? Yep, a little bit of a rally.
1: So, yeah, Rich. I mean, <clears throat> once again, we have an, a you know a point of uh, you know uncertainty out of the way, and uh, uh, it's, you know it's, it's, it's maybe the heads in our direction, but yeah, soft
2: landing would definitely be welcome. I think from every lender on the call here. Jody Hall, shorter book summer mortgage industry highlights or everything men know about women?
3: (laughs) I think that the uh, short highlights maybe in the industry, I think that, um, I don't know what's going on out there in the world. I'm just kidding. Um, But I, you know, it's been a great summer uh, for our company, um, continuing to grow. We knew that we were going to get to this point and, you know, 2020 and 2021 were awesome, but we know all good things come to an end and it was about being prepared for um, the turmoil in the market and the strong companies rise and unfortunately some fold. Uh, So we've just been taking advantage of the opportunity. We added about 230 employees in the last three weeks. Um, So my hairline is going to look more like um, Rob's than Robbie's I think Uh, (laughs) in the next couple of weeks. But um, it has, it's been extremely interesting and feel really bad for a lot of mortgage professionals that I've grown to know over uh, the years that we're in situations that, you know, their companies weren't built to sustain uh, any uh, turmoil. So have seen an increased number of um, people reaching out like, hey, what do you have going on? And, you know, are there jobs available? So it's interesting to see. That there's any job growth in the world if you uh, live in the mortgage industry where there is such a cutback of jobs and it's really unfortunate and you know leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth for the mortgage industry in general.
2: Well, that's what I wanted to have you and Katie on. You guys are companies that are still doing well and thriving through a tough time we see that in this industry we talk about it all the time the good times the rough times so when it gets super super busy or super super slow like this that good companies pick up market share katie running operations for pretty damn big imb um that uh cranked out a lot of volume these last couple of years different type of year uh hit us with some rays of light uh to talk to us a little bit about the adjustments you've had to make as a leader this year and uh, the current landscape uh, from your perspective?
4: Yeah. um, We have seen some changes, uh, slowdowns, but we're using it as an opportunity to refocus people back on purchase business, retraining them on all the tools that we previously had out there, but they, they just didn't have to use because the business was falling into their laps as opposed to them having to go out and get it. Um, So we've been doing a lot of trainings. We are relooking at our vendor list and um, seeing where we can save money, where we can increase in efficiencies and also save money. Um, Now's a really good time for us, especially operationally to implement a lot of things that got put on the back burner during the last two years. Um, And then as far as the summer, it was a silver lining for a lot of our employees because they got to actually take vacations and we were actually telling them to take vacations and they haven't been able to do that for a few years. Um, So, We have uh, just been doing a lot of stuff since we work in the office because we're way better than Jody's company and Craig's company. We've been doing a lot of cross training and uh, teaching people kind of new areas. So if, God forbid, we slow down anymore, we have coverage in areas if we had to ever do cuts. Um, But we're just using it as an opportunity to refocus and then go out and grow. Um, And if rates came down at all, you know, that would be great, too, because we'd love to get more business in the door.
1: So, Katie and Jody, I want to ask you guys. Uh, you two, the I, I continue to hear uh, these horrific tales of signing bonuses. A lot of them are coming from movement cross country, but there are a few others. And I heard—I uh, don't know if anybody from CMG is on here—but there's a wild rumor about CMG paying somebody somewhere a couple million bucks. Uh, how do you first of all I guess I should ask do your companies offer production signing bonuses and if you don't what you know how do you defend your staff against them start with I
3: think, yeah I think that you know <laughs> I've worked at companies that uh, give large sign-on bonuses and I think that that was more of an issue or, or was more problematic for lenders who chose not to give sign-on bonuses um, when business was booming. So um, I think that people have caught on to the fact, uh, or maybe in your recruiting process, you educate people to the fact that no one's giving you anything for free. So there you're going, you're paying yourself that money somehow, some way. Um, so I think that there's an education process that people have to go, go to, um, to understand that, Hey, if sure you, we can give you a sign on bonus, but then you're going to, we're going to ta- earn that back through reduced, reduced basis points. So it's based on how do you want to earn it? And that's what, and that's, what's happening with these sign on bonuses, um, I don't think that there are a lot of lenders out there, regardless of their size, just willing to hand out money with a way to get it back. Um, And I think that the way that you guard against that is, listen, we have had to be, we know everyone's looking, so we aren't putting our head in the sand and thinking that our employees aren't looking. Um, But I think it's having a lot of communication with them, making them feel like, they are part of an organization where they have access to leadership and feeling like a small boutique mortgage company and having that access means a lot more giving people the tools and the resources that are available because a lot of, you know, loan officers and branches, they don't want to be a small fish in a big pond. They like being a big fish in a small pond with direct access and input into the way that the company runs and you lose that with, with larger lenders so I think part of it is in the recruiting process when you're recruiting educating when your competition is someone who's signing giving huge sign-on bonus educating um, them about the competition in a way that that works um, and also really staying close to your existing employees and making sure that they feel like they're a new shiny toy as well not just you know the new the new employees coming in but you know, Right now, I think that people don't wanna feel like a transaction, especially in this. I think we have played as much psychologist over the last few months as anything and people need to have that extra special touch and feeling that everything is going to be okay and that they have the resources available, including the interaction with executive management to, to get them through the time and know that we care about them. So I think the relationship building with existing teams and giving programs and platforms and resources for them to be the trusted advisor to their clients and their referral partners and that really um, holds on. Um, and you, you lose some and you hate it. And then you figure out why you lost them and, and then you make yourself better.
4: Some of them that you lose aren't necessarily big producers. They're just following a paycheck. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there are a lot of companies we're seeing do that. And I agree with everything Jody said. We're just showing the value of what we've provided with them with over the years. We have a lot of long-term employees who know the value they want to be the uh, big fish in the small pond. Is that what you said?
3: They prefer
4: that. They like that they can access, you know, the people at the top, the decision makers, the people who are going to get things done quickly for them. Whereas some of these larger producers who are getting paid two million dollars to go somewhere, um, there's so many of them now that they're not very special anymore. So (laughs) and the people who work there, I would just like to say you should leave and come here for a while and then, you know. Because if you're already there and you're seeing these people come over and get signing bonuses, it's not very good to the staff that you've you've had over the years who have been loyal to you. So,
1: yeah, I, I, and Melissa Thomas weighed uh, in with a comment that people are getting really creative with Locomp. Remember, it's highly regulated. Lots of whistleblowers out there, and I have, I have heard that as well. That uh, yeah, you can't get can't get too creative, otherwise, you know, the existing staff and I and I do talk to the existing staff of some of these companies who would pay these large signing bonuses to producers, and they're, you know, they're not, it doesn't, it doesn't breed a lot of goodwill and contentment when, uh, you know, you've got somebody coming in from outside and the existing producers are saying, why not take that million bucks and spend it on pricing or training or marketing mm-hmm. for, for everybody who's been here for years and years? Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not my call to make
3: one.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Those so are we, conversations we've had internally as well. Like use that money and, and invest it in the people who have been loyal to this company and make them want to stay, which is a great point.
1: Yeah.
3: What, yeah we've what seen about- people return, Rob, we've seen people return sign-on bonuses uh, too, because be, not being able, the process being so jammed up, they're not able to get uh, loans through from, you know, a cycle time perspective and the, you know, losing relationships with your referral partners because you can't get loans done fast enough and they're like you can it's not worth it's not worth the sign-on bonus for for me to lose the efficiency in my process so we've seen that as well
1: yeah anders anders raises the the subject of retention bonuses you know robbie goes back to mct's management say says you know I want a retention bonus. Otherwise I'm going to go to work somewhere else. And what, what's everybody else think about that? It is a slippery slope. So. Jody, is there,
0: is there a metric that you like to evaluate loan officers on? Is it as simple as net revenue at the end of the day?
3: Yeah, for the most part, I don't think that we have a lot of other uh, resources to be able to measure loan officers, but production. Um, so, I mean, I would love to have be able to see. You know, they have we have all these uh, resources for data internally within the organization like an LO scorecard. Wouldn't you love like a loan officer scorecard that told you what their pull through ratio was, what their cycle time was, um, because those things would be indicative of the quality of the loans coming through and how long it takes them to get through the process. Can they actually take a complete uh, application? I think you can do some of that through and you know, because you know who their referral partners are, I think you can do some of that research by reaching out to the referral partners and um, you know, basically secret uh secret shopping them to see if they're doing a good job. But um it's really the only metrics you have out there is the is you get some market share data though. So you can pick up like what they're picking up in their area should be indicative, but for the most part it's just what their production is. Hey, is Rick, or,
1: oh sorry Robert, I was just gonna add real quick Stratmore right. does uh, a lot of work with lenders in terms of really evaluating producers, not only originators but entire branches, to say is this branch making you money? Is this loan officer making you money? Or is, are there, is a nine out of their ten loans some kind of rate concession or some kind of extension? And if they're not making you as much money as other originators, then, then you shouldn't be too disappointed if they decide to go to a competitor.
3: Yeah. 100%. And we can see that internally. I'd love to be able to see that from the groups that you're recruiting. I'm going to say, yeah, we have reports like that. So you're talking about specifically
4: being able to see it for the people who are coming over.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we do it with a performa, and hopefully, you know, that uh, pans out with what their anticipated ramp up volume is. And it's probably like, I don't know, 50, 50 or people actually produce what they say that they produce.
2: This is The Rundown with Rob and Rich. I'm Rich Swabinski with The Mortgage Collaborative, joined, as always, by Rob and Robbie Chrisman. This week, the President, Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall, SVP of Operations for People's Mortgage Corp., Katie Klaus, two. Big pieces of news that came out this week. One was Realtor.com's uh, monthly insights report. Um, in it, some interesting pieces of data. One, the average listing price of a home in America fell month over month from July to August, from four forty nine to four thirty five k. Significant year over year home. Listing price is still up 14% versus a year ago, but the drop again, Rob talking about his sensationalist headlines, his biggest drop in like 800 years, you know, is yeah. And then you, the second sentence is they're 14% higher than they were a year ago. Um, so they, that was interesting. 20% of listings dropped their listing price in August, which was also up, uh, big from from prior months. And then also I'm throwing these bolt out there just for open discussion. Um, FHFA came out this week and noted that they are starting to conduct a uh, comprehensive review of the Federal Home Loan Bank system. Some news probably flew under the radar for some mortgage lenders this week, but news that could absolutely be game-changing news, especially for independent mortgage bankers. Depending on how things break, uh, the Federal Home Loan Bank system, it's, I don't know, Rob, like 13 different Federal Home Loan Banks across America that kind of operate independently, although under the same umbrella Um, that technically is is, uh, regulated much more loosely by FHFA. But those federal home loan banks offer community banks currently access to really incredible products, pricing without the delivery fees. I used to access them vigorously in in my career as a banker. Um, We know a lot of our members are doing that as well. So some interesting stuff that uh, came out. This week, Robbie, I'll start with you. Anything in there that uh, that uh, was of special note to you? You say Robbie. Robbie, uh,
0: I I thought the FHFA news was was pretty big. Uh, you know, this this new director, Sandra Thompson, she's she seems to be uh, much more popular with with people in the mortgage industry than Calabria was, and uh, you know that's that's a testament to the the advocacy groups out there in Washington D.C. Uh, whether that's something like CHLA or or MISMO. And uh, it it seems like FHFA is getting the message and and there's positive developments for independent mortgage banks, in my opinion.
1: I I would agree with that. And Rob, you should know that uh, Rich Rich and and Sandra Thompson are very familiar with each other. In fact, Rich calls her Sandy T.
2: Sandy T. So, Mm -hmm. Sandy T. And uh, Should I text her right now? I got a direct line to her. There you go. I'm kidding. So,
1: I think, Rich, to your point, the Federal Home Loan Bank system is run is overseen by the FHFA, and people tend to forget that. But it does harken back to a bygone era for capital markets people who were trying to find uh, you know outlets for their production and where can I sell these loans? Federal Home Loan Bank Board. Better home loan banks, sure. Insurance companies, pension funds. I when I started on the capital markets, we called it secondary marketing. But I was you know calling these these companies and these institutions saying, hey, we've got you know, we've got this great product, and here are our underwriting guidelines, and here's the yield that we can deliver. And you know, can can I find an outlook for these loans? And so that that you know, the, the credit unions and the regional banks, smaller banks. You know they're gonna they're gonna fight tooth and nail for their their clients, and one way to do that they're gonna they're gonna use the Federal Home Bank as an outlet, just like independent mortgage banks can you know, approach insurance companies, the pension funds, and so on. Uh, when I was when I was starting off in the business, we had our, our company was selling assets to union builder pension funds, bricklayer pension funds. You know, wiring pension funds. So, yeah, it's it's a any any kind of uh, any kind of competitive you know edge that companies can find right now to help their originators is is welcomed by those originators and the federal home loan bank. You know, selling loans to them or you accessing them back in the golden era of mortgage banking. Uh, I think I think we we should be going back there. A lot of lenders are doing that stuff.
2: Katie Klaus, we'd be remiss uh, since you hail from the, the what do we call it? The uh, the epicenter, the housing, bubble, yeah. the poster child, the poster of-
4: child of housing, risk, exactly. poster child of risk, I think is what it was.
2: Home value is going berserk. Home value, home listing price is down. You seeing that out in Zona?
4: Uh, no, not, not particularly. I mean, I I laugh about the drop too. Like the drop is still, I still have a portfolio of, you know, $300 million worth of clients who can't afford anything under 300000 So it's nowhere near being able to to find an affordable house for them. Um,
2: Robbie Chrisman, uh, just after you buy your home, the, the biggest drop in home prices in 800 years <laughs> <This> is... <laughs>
0: I'm not I'm not selling, so there will never be any uh, realized losses or
2: gains on this house. That's what everybody says. You'll be out of that house in three years. Jody, uh home for listing prices dropping, FHFA, FHLB, any anything in there that uh is of no interest to you?
3: Yeah, we're considering selling our house. So um we brought down the it's just you know, it brought down the, the home prices. <laughs> um you promised yeah, farm uh, Jody
2: the you said- farm-
3: the farm is almost done. So, and also built the most expensive farm for prices to come down to. Uh, so use um, the expensive labor to build, to build yeah, that. We are. Yeah. Um, we definitely, we're, we're helping out the uh, we're, we're helping out uh, the economy for sure. But anyway, the, I think if, I have said this over the last year Um but there's a lot of emotional reaction to everything, right? Like people, and I just think it's because news comes so quickly and the cycle is much faster than it used to be. Because you, you know, we had to read the mortgage grapevine to see which, which company was closing, or you know, you waited until the the evening news to be able to see what was going on with in housing. But I wish that we and I know that this doesn't like grab people's attention, but I wish we could see home values still up 14% over last year, even though there was a decline and like flip it so that it is a positive because all it does is it makes our job harder to try to provide that emotional support to like, oh man, look again, home values don't like, no, you need home values to come down because you, because you borrowers can't afford it. We need rates to come down because your borrowers can't afford homes. Um, So I wish that we could completely change the mentality. I know it won't happen because it's not as like gripping. Like, I want to read this story. And from FHFA, I think the biggest change is, and Rich, you and I have talked about this. I always felt like Calabria was like, playing a game like with the industry of saying let me pull this string and see what the fallout is from it so then i can come in and i can do this and i can seem like the the hero what i really think the biggest change is that appears that sandra thompson is listening and that she truly and genuinely cares it's not just It's not political. It's like, I'm here, I'm here to get stuff done and I'm here to get done what people, you know, to uh, help out the industry, not just because like half of the decisions that I feel that Calabria made was just like a shot in the dark because he needed to do something to show that he was working, uh, but didn't want to take the time to really get input. So I really think that I'm really excited about Sandra Thompson uh, being at the wheel and really driving uh, what we have all been talking about and wanting for for years.
4: Yeah, I mean, IMBs should be able to be involved. We do most of the lending in the country now, so it would be nice to have a seat and be able to get kind of financing, especially for DPA programs, so that we could, you know, increase funding to these borrowers who can't get into homes. I mean, a lot of our portfolio is low to moderate income. If we could do our own get financing to do a more specialized, you know, DPA program or whatever, we could reach more people. And I think it's so important to involve independent mortgage bankers in these decisions. And I think it's great.
3: Absolutely.
2: So true. And, you know, you talk about this administration and their goal to bridge the homeowner gap. You look at the statistics on the institutions that have done uh, low to moderate income loans and FHA loans, it has been independent mortgage banks really has led to that aforementioned rise in 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 market share that Katie mentioned. And you know, I think a lot of times that, you know, at least in my opinion, like the federal government and the regulatory communities perception of the independent mortgage banking industry is too heavily centered on the biggest few players in the industry that are, you know, very bad at not making headlines. Um, and to your point, right, you guys, this is listen, you got two leaders on this show right now that are doing just tens of, of billions of dollars of loans a year for people in the trenches for first time buyers that are out there actually doing these deals on, on a daily basis that uh, are saying, hey, this is great. Yes, we have somebody that's listening and uh, wants to be a part of the solution. I can tell you she is listening and she's in a tough spot, balancing safety and soundness and you know what comes next for the GSEs and giving you guys the tools you need to put people in homes. It, it's a precarious spot she's in, but uh, definitely listening to be sure, which is we haven't had too much of that really. And she's been at FHFA. Think about it. Think about being an FHFA during the years Trump was president. I'm not trying to be political, but they, you know, just it was like a shadow organization for Forbes. Could you picture like being an FHFA like she had for her entire career and then, you know, seeing a new administration come in, completely change the direction, staying through it and then being rewarded on the other end? It's a great story. I'm really happy for and uh, she'll once again be at our conference in a few weeks and we'll be having a breakfast with our lender board of directors and just genuinely wants to to hear from the people, which is great. So awesome. good stuff. Uh, Jody, shorter uh, book title, mortgage industry, summer highlights or the modern guide to ethics and politics?
3: <laughs> no one wants to talk ethics or politics, so we'll <laughs> go with the shorter guide. <laughs>
2: And speaking of emotions, I will be crying if the Buckeyes lose to uh but Notre Dame tomorrow night. Uh, I'll be absolutely position. Our former linebacker Harrison, who is a great guy, uh Notre Dame in a good spot, but hopefully not tomorrow night. Um, moving on, um, the I forget who sent this over to me, the boxable home thing. Did you guys have a chance to look at this? This Is fascinating. Somebody's got to put this in the chat. The link is B-O-X-A-B-L dot I think it was Rob. You sent it to me. Crazy. Essentially, what this is, is homes that are delivered via crane in in a box, ADUs, the vast Chrisman properties. Rob, you could have these craned in and uh, you could have people living all over your land. Any Any interest in that?
3: I think that we'll have to. There'll be a general contractor that will screw it all up, and you'll be pulling your hair out anyway. So one one hour setup will turn into one year of chaos. Oh, we forgot to bring the one side of the printed home.
4: The Allegiant airline. It's like, oh, here's your house. You you got to pay extra for this, 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 this. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow. Oh, you I spent a lot of time down that rabbit hole yesterday. Thanks, Rich.
2: You want I have a, door, a lot of questions. A hundred thousand—that's the—that's the the fine print. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It was <laughs> I, it was amazing. It is interesting though. Like my husband does um, commercial construction, and they've been talking a lot about building homes and then transferring them out to you know the site and the, how much cheaper it is to make them in one place, and then you don't have to find local labor, and it cuts cuts down on all those costs. So it's interesting to see it kind of come to fruition. The difference being, normally you have like a foundation and, um, you know, like other things, like all the hookups are already there if it's a planned unit development. So this is just kind of like a shipping box that you apparently buy and have shipped out.
3: I don't see, I don't see municipalities giving building permits for them because they're going to look at the, the loss that they're going to have from taxes and being able, whether it's property taxes or the sales tax that is issued on the property um, when it's being built. Um, So I, if I were here in Brexville, Ohio, if I were running, uh, if I were the mayor, I would have a hard time giving out permits because I want that, you know, million dollar house built so that um, I'm getting all of the I'm getting all the additional tax revenue off of that coming into, into my city. So that's what I see as the likely, we'll screw it up for sure.
1: I, I think, uh, Rich, we should ask Robbie about manufactured homes and homes that are built in factories with controlled climate conditions and materials and labors and so labor and so forth. And then brought in, Robbie, do you think that People under the age of thirty-five or forty have more of an interest in that than, say, the older generation.
0: I'm just excited because when I go when I go stay with my dad as primary residence, I'm forced to sleep in the garage, and that's a true
2: story. He knows that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Build the damn kid an ADU, Rob. Come on.
1: <laughs> you know. Uh... <laughs> Let's keep it on a serious note here, Rod. So, so do you think do you think that manufactured housing is uh, is a good thing or bad thing for uh, people in their twenties and thirties, or does it, do you think they even care?
3: I think there's a stigma around it.
0: There might there might be a stigma around it because you think you look at double wides getting transported transported on an eighteen wheeler down the highway, and you think that belongs in uh, a lot more a lot more rural part of a uh, NASCAR territory than, than what I would want to, where I would want to live. But when it comes to ADUs, all my friends are trying to figure out ways to to improve their cash flow and, and their overall financial wealth. And I think an ADU is a great way to do that in terms of getting more income on your property and potentially paying for your mortgage each month. And so I don't know, people might want to live in it as their primary residents but I, I think in terms of having it on your property if it's big enough to to promote cash flow is is something a lot of people are, are really interested in
2: we Joe, but it's something that it's going to be more of these types of things we're going to be talking about these types of things on this show for the next two or three years just because of the inventory situation in america zero is being done literally very minor things on the margins nothing materially is being done to help the inventory issue in america which uh you know, so I think you're just gonna. And, and anytime you see that, you have people that try to exploit opportunities, right? We saw it with the ribbon and the, you know, the buy, pay, cash for your home thing, companies that exploded. And then there was the home equity stuff. Everybody's got all this equity, and I think one of the next thing is going to be, you know, these smaller properties on on land. But uh, don't see. you think
4: that though they've already tried this with like the tiny home movement that died?
2: That's a good point. Yeah, I mean that's
4: essentially what it is. Except what is the the,
2: is the tiny home movement still a thing? Like I remember my daughter like two or three years ago when she was like eleven or twelve watching like HGTV tiny homes. Yes. she's no longer watching. Is the tiny home thing coming gone?
4: I haven't. I haven't heard anything about it. That's why I'm wondering if this is the same thing. There is a community up in Northern Arizona that's building tiny homes. Maybe the tiny homes have gotten too expensive because I think the tiny home starts at like ninety grand, which doesn't sound great but i'm just wondering if it's another thing like that that you know it'll be 12 months of excitement and then people are gonna be like wait i don't really want to live in this box this is <laughs> this doesn't make any sense
1: yeah i have i have too much stuff yeah i have too much You know, rich <laughs> rich rich has too many bobbleheads to be accommodated <laughs> by any kind of any kind of structure that comes close to a tiny building
2: so, but you can so figure that out because Katie, you're right. The tiny home movement should be exploding right now. Yeah. You know, all those snobby you
3: know, amounts
2: of yeah. land and way too large homes and, uh, you know, uh, municipalities that won't, uh, that won't, uh, that won't parcel it out different. It uh, should be a big thing right now, but
4: yeah. Which to Robbie's point, some of these might not even, they're not, it won't be a solution for affordability. It will be, people are just going to put them in their backyards as extra spots for vacation rentals or something like it doesn't feel like
2: <laughs> well that was big news this week too oh. bank of america uh doing uh, you know and kudos to them a lot of other banks are getting out of mortgage and uh they're saying hey we're gonna we're gonna double down and we're gonna we're gonna do some no down payment stuff so it, uh, it's funny to see the big banks uh, how they treat mortgage it's like they're in they're out I mean like you know they none of them really like it it's It's funny that the big bank ebb and flow on on our industry, because it's so anti-big commercial bank, the cyclicality of it and the ups and downs.
3: Katie really got the chat going with tiny home talk.
4: Well, Steven, some of that's with Patty's, It's not tiny homes anymore. It's van life, living in a van. But that doesn't help affordability or anything like that. So I would like that these these boxes actually help get some of my buyers into homes. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to do much.
2: Mm-hmm. rob where are you uh, you were in an airport it looked like some remote third world country airport of uh, half an hour ago where are you i'll show you the upcoming departures okay I'll see it podcast listeners you got to get in here live oh boy i don't even know i what do I, savu savu suva Taviuni. i don't know, anybody know where any of that is
3: Negative.
2: Bill Thorpe nailed it in the chat room. EG. I thought that was a bottled water. That's a country. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's going on in this country? My God. <clears throat> Delicious
4: <clears throat> bottled water.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, uh,
1: yes. Uh, so, eventually me- meeting up with a, uh, an ex owner of a company that was not a member of the Mortgage Collaborative.
2: Well, that's what happens to non-TMC members. They end up in Fiji. So uh
4: Rich, let's... if I ever make it to Fiji, I won't be calling in for the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you have dedication, Rob.
2: So we know well, Rob, your weekend so we start something in Fiji, which is definitely better than I think probably would have been. uh Robbie, what are you still in new home moving, hell? No,
0: I actually got scolded by my dad yesterday. I I got a hotel and wine country with a gal pal for the weekend and he said you just bought a oceanfront house what are you doing spending money on hotels but wow.
2: more irrational reckless spending spending from our millennial correspondent and michael burry and others are convinced taking america down Their reckless spending in the face of rampant inflation jody hall labor day weekend plans
3: going to the farm on the farm <laughs> So when you put that much money in it, Robbie, you just got to (laughs) go.
2: Katie Klaus, Labor Day weekend plans.
4: I am hoping my son loses in, in a soccer tournament so I can go up to our cabin for a few days and escape this 109 degree heat. But I'm committed to four hours of dance with my daughter and three, at least three games of soccer with my son. So every time I hope he loses, he ends up winning and ruining my weekend. But let's hope, let's hope it's a real loss this time.
1: Rich, Rich, are there uh, anything going on in the wiffle ball front this weekend?
2: Wiffle ball now is over, but uh big weekend. Yeah. It's uh Buckeyes, Notre Dame tomorrow night, going to see Sam Hunt at the Canfield State Fair Sunday night. Oh, how, wow, does somebody, wow. how does somebody as popular as Sam Hunt end up at the Canfield State Fair? But we're going to be there myself
3: county fair canfield it can't Whatever. be state
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah canfield it's definitely yeah, not a state fair but sam hunt will be there who i love so awesome. bring all four teenagers uh with us so say a prayer uh but uh yeah so it's about it and uh to all of our viewers listeners live attendees on the zoom. Thank you as always for wrapping up the week with us. And just hoping you guys have something fun planned for the Labor Day weekend. And uh, as always, we'll be back here next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern for the rundown with Rob and Rich want to thank particularly this week, Jody Hall from Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Jody, thanks as always for answering the bell.
3: Yep. Glad to be here. Thank you. Go you're Bucks! Great,
2: you're great attire. Go Bucks! And, uh, Katie Klaus, uh, two of our go-to correspondents, uh, once again, thank you very much, Katie, for joining us as well.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Have a good weekend.
2: And Rob and Robbie, uh, as always great seeing you guys, Rob, enjoy Fiji, Robbie, enjoy wine country, and, uh, we'll, uh, catch up with everybody next week. Have a great holiday weekend. Everybody. Have
3: a great weekend.
2: Take care guys.